What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Recapping week seven. You know, Saturday night we have our radio show, and I tried for two hours half-heartedly to convince Dave. Dave said to me, you've got two hours to convince me to move Daniel Jones ahead of Aaron Rodgers in my rankings. Dave, I've never been so happy to be unconvincing than I am today. Spoiler. I don't know if this is really a spoiler, but this is just kind of the truth after the fact. There was nothing you could say that could convince me. <laughs> you could have told me that you just came back from the future and that Daniel Jones threw four touchdowns. <laughs> I still wouldn't have believed you. I still wouldn't have done it. But I didn't believe that Aaron Rodgers would have as big of a game as he did. Holy mm-hmm. moly, was he good. Um, yeah, that's that's what Aaron Rodgers is capable of doing, and that's what the Raiders' defense is capable of giving up. Yeah. Not so good. I think so. And, you know, I'm Adam Azer. That's Dave Richard. He's Heath Cummings. Heath, uh, I, you know, I was going to make a case because I didn't think Rodgers would be that, that great this week without Devontae Adams. Uh, I was going to make a case Now's the time to buy low on Aaron Rodgers. The soft part of the schedule is here. And, uh, well, I guess it's probably too late, huh? What stood out to you on Sunday? Well, in the same discussion of Aaron Rodgers, I think I was as high on Daniel Jones as anybody in the industry. And uh, what a colossal disappointment against a fantastic matchup. Just completely wet down his leg. It was embarrassing. And I feel sorry for Giants fans. Uh, you would feel sorry for Giants fans, but you know what about was, what about Giants better than fans who are also Yankees fans? Don't even. Heath, how do you feel about those Don't guys? Don't even. I, I'd like a comment from you, Heath. Um, I'm very happy for the Astros, my second favorite team in the uh, championship series, and maybe my favorite team. They were going to be tied with the Nationals, but and if, uh, if you had any words of encouragement to give to somebody who was a Giants fan, a Yankees fan, and a Miami Hurricanes alum, what would those words be? I wish you were as happy as I am with the results of their games this weekend. No, I see that's just a disgusting <laughs> thing. Like I just, I don't. I did like Dave. Well, you knew that was coming. Why are we talking? This was one of the, this was an all timer sports weekend for me. So I hope my fantasy teams are doing well. I haven't even checked because I'm just. Let Let's just talk about the you know the good. Let's talk about the best. Let's talk about the best. From week seven. All right, one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, and a tight end. Aaron Rodgers, Chase Edmonds, Latavius Murray, Marvin Jones, Zach Pascal, and Darren Waller. Darren Waller, the only player of that group who was started in more than 70% of leagues. He was 76% started, and he finally caught some touchdowns. He caught two of them. He actually caught three and had one call back. But uh, all right, let, let's, let's kick it off with Rodgers. And Dave, what does this mean for you going forward? He throws for 429 yards, five touchdowns with a rushing touchdown, 53 fantasy points. Unbelievable. Perfect passer rating. He's at Kansas City next week, and he did this without Devontae Adams. So does this change uh, your outlook on Rodgers going forward? No, I'm so glad that it finally happened. Finally, the quarterback that I drafted, he, he, he gave me more than I thought he would. A lot of people that drafted Rodgers, they just figured, all right, we'll, we'll see what happens. He'll probably have an okay game. But then he had Valdez Scantling. He had Jerron Morales. And more importantly, 
he had a great game plan because he leaned on those running backs out of the backfield. Aaron Jones didn't drop his touchdown pass this week. Jamal Williams saved his day with a nice touchdown catch as well. Rodgers was heady enough to run in for a touchdown. Jimmy Graham even. Even Jimmy Graham, who looked terrible last week, came through with a nice touchdown grab. He took advantage of a bad defense that came into his building. He dominated them. And I think anytime Aaron Rodgers is in a place where his receivers are somewhat decent and the matchup is good, he's going to deliver. I am hoping that this is the start of some good numbers for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I hope so. All right, so Heath, the running backs. Chase Edmonds, 71% owned, 20% started. Latavius Murray, 83% owned, 44% started. Now, they both got a ton of work. Edmonds had 27 carries, and Latavius Murray had 20, also 27. Or, uh, they both had 27 carries. How about that? Well, they're tied. Um, wow. But, but obvi- yeah, amazing. But obviously, Heath, they're, they're both, you know, backups. And David Johnson, very surprising. He was healthy, played three snaps, and that was it. So I know David Johnson owners are furious, and, and they should be. But what happens going forward with Edmonds and Latavius Murray now and how they might affect... Sorry, how they might affect Alvin Kamara and David Johnson, who faced Saquon Barkley today. Go ahead. I think Edmonds is more likely to affect Johnson than Murray is Kamara. And neither of these guys will be affected too much once they're 100%. But we've seen Edmonds get worked in a little bit more and more the last two weeks before he just took over the backfield this week and they decided to rest Johnson. He looked very good as a running back. And they've had very little success running the football. Now, it was a matchup against arguably the worst defensive football that doesn't reside in Miami. But still, it was impressive what he was able to do. Johnson has struggled even against good matchups because the blocking hasn't been very good. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of Edmonds and Johnson on the field together, maybe with Johnson in the slot, because he's a very good receiver, obviously. Murray, maybe this means they decide to give Alvin Kamara another week of rest because Latavius Murray showed. You give him 20 touches, he's going to be very good. We knew Murray was getting these touches coming into the week, and so we ranked him as a borderline top 12 running back. There was just no way to know that this Edmonds thing was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, that's that's frustrating. I feel bad for the David Johnson owners. I do. Um, I also feel bad for the Kenny Galladay owners. Yeah, go ahead, Heath. I, I did pick Chase Edmonds up in our For the People podcast league last night, but we couldn't start him over Dante Pettis. So. <laughs> yeah, we definitely made the right call there. Another, the, you know, the weather there was so bad in that Washington. Oh, my God. Over Dante Pettis. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, so he thought actually throw it to you for the wide receivers because Kenny Galladay did nothing as Marvin Jones had four touchdowns, 10 catches, 93 yards, four touchdowns started in 25% of leagues own in 79% of leagues. And guess who's coming to town? The giants. And then he's at Oakland. Does it matter for Marvin Jones? Is he, do, do matchups matter? Or is he just kind of going to be kind of random when he has his big games? And the other guy is Zach Pascal, who's unowned. 0% ownership on CBS Sports, and he had 106 yards and two touchdowns. He's one of your top wide receivers, Colts wide receiver, Zach Pascal. Talk to me about these two surprises. I'd like to have a reaction to either of these, but uh, this is like it kind of looks like it might be better for Marvin Jones if they have a difficult matchup. If they have an easy matchup, Kenny Galladay is just going to do whatever he wants, and they have no reason to throw to Marvin Jones this much. He was outstanding in this game. Actually dropped, I believe, a fifth touchdown that he could have had. Um, yeah. But I think this more about Galladay them not being able to go to him when they wanted to. And I still expect Galladay to be the clear number one in this offense. Marvin Jones to be more of a borderline number two slash high end flex. I have no idea what to make of Zach Pascal. Jacoby Brissett was one of the all time calls by Dave Richards today. He was fantastic. One of these came on kind of a shovel pass that I don't really think is all that predictive. Or I'm fair. not going Pascal. Okay, yeah, it's not fair. It, those are not passes. The, like those should be runs. I that drives me freaking crazy. Well, definitely a four. Like you're throwing the ball forward. If he drops it, it's not a fumble. It's an incomplete pass. It's clearly a pass. You were wrong about that. <laughs> but I don't think it's something that's going to happen on a regular basis. Here's the weird thing about Pascal. He only played 47 percent of the snaps, and it's his lowest in three games. So yeah. he he had this great game, but. It was in a matchup where he didn't even play half the snaps. I don't know if that matters to people. People like the targets. They're going to chase that. I'm not ready to say that he's even the second best pass catcher in the Indianapolis offense because Eric Ebron even made some plays. So I, I think that there's probably going to be a situation in Indianapolis where one week it's one guy, one week it's another guy, and this week it happened to be 
everybody because they all ended up putting up good numbers. This Texan secondary is bad. And going back to Marvin Jones, what I saw, and, and I need to watch the All-22 to really confirm this, he was beating single coverage no matter who the Vikings put on him. He took Xavier Rhodes to school twice, took Mike Hughes to school once. And when I say to school, I don't mean like actually dropping him off and in the circle in front mm-hmm. of the principal's office. I mean scoring a touchdown. I think you're all with me on that. And Matthew Stafford just wise enough to say, okay, my guy's in single coverage, been playing with him for years. It doesn't matter who he's lined up against. I'm going to trust that matchup. And Marvin Jones was running great routes right in front of these guys and scoring touchdowns. I don't know if that means that it's going to be a great omen for Terry McLaurin on Thursday. Uh, but moving down the line, I don't think we can look at the Vikings secondary mm-hmm. as as a very dangerous matchup. I think their run defense is still pretty good. But I think their their pass defense is not very good. They're just not making plays. Like Like, there are different ways that teams are giving up production. You know, a team like the Giants, not this game against Kyler Murray, who had a bad or bad statistical game, but, you know, you see guys, like, running wide open. You see breakdowns. You see just bad coverage. With the Vikings, it, and it's been like this a lot that I've seen, it's good one-on-one coverage, but the, they're just not making plays. Like, how many times Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes, like, the first touchdown that uh, Marvin Jones scored was just a missed tackle, and he walked right in. And then yeah. Xavier Rhodes, uh, he's in there one-on-one coverage. He's right on the guy, and he's just not making a play on the ball. It's it's weird. They're just not playing that well. They're not making plays. And it, I, I'm starting to buy that they're not that bad of a matchup anymore. And and we, we talked about it this week leading up. I, we just thought that it would help out Kenny Galladay, but... When we go back and watch the film, it could be that Kenny Galladay had double coverage and Stafford was thrown to the other guy, and the Vikings just didn't change that approach. And they didn't have to. They won the game. So they, they, they're they probably concerned about the way their secondary is playing, but it's the stink of that is covered up by the cologne of victory. There you go. Darren Waller, 95% started, or 95% owned, 76% started. Dave, give me a quick thought on Waller who you know, was the most started of this whole group out of Rodgers, Edmonds, Latavius, Marvin Jones, Zach Pascal, Darren Waller, seven catches, 126 yards, two touchdowns, had a third one called back, his best game yep. of the year, finally found the end zone. Of course, no Tyrell Williams, good game script and everything. But man, who, who called Darren Waller at the beginning of the year? Good job, Dave. <laughs> Thank you. And I think it's going to continue. I don't think there's any reason... To sell high on him and turn him into Devin Singletary. Did I really do that? <laughs> Congratulations, Heath. See, Adam, Thank you're not the only one that makes bad trades on this podcast. I can not. make a bad trade, too. But, you know, I, I, I don't mind helping Heath out. I, I like helping Heath. All right. At Houston next week, we just got done talking about how bad that secondary is. Detroit the week after that. The Chargers after that. Cincinnati at the Jets. Does it even matter? No. Because he's just he's going to be very difficult to cover. This is the type of game that I was expecting eventually from Darren Waller. Kind of would like to have seen it earlier, but he's 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 very tall. He's very fast. Defenses that don't have a good answer for him are going to get destroyed, like the Packers did. And again, the Packers, who cares? They won the game and they won it handily. But there's going to be some matchups moving forward. Darren Waller, if he's not double teamed. He's going to go off, and it's going to be beautiful. So congratulations to all of us who have Darren Waller on our fantasy teams. It's time to find the next tight end, though. There's there's some names that could pop up here that could be second-half saviors from the position. Let's, let's try and do this again. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I think that's one of your winners. We'll talk about winners and losers in a little bit. A couple things to promote. We got this Facebook group. It's really fun. Okay, first of all, I know you send us a lot of questions, and thank you for participating and Ask FFT on Twitter. And you know if you send emails to fantasyfootball at cbsi.com, I do respond to a lot of them Sunday morning. So I try, I try to help you out as much as I can. We all do. But if you can't hear from us, hear from our Facebook group members. It's Fantasy Football Today on Facebook. Please join. And we give away T-shirts every week. And this week, the question was, what was your best draft day decision? And our winner is Brian from Virginia. And he said, Darren Waller, 19th round. Yes, we have 19 rounds. How about that? 19 rounds. And nobody took Darren Waller until Brian from That's Virginia. That's great. So I that feel, means everybody else in his draft had no idea who Darren Waller was. I guess. I, I feel Those like, are my uh, favorite players to tout, man. I love that. So appropriate today for him to win the T-shirt. And watch uh, HQ tomorrow, Monday, or Monday, if, whenever you're listening to this, at noon Eastern. In fact, Monday through Friday at noon Eastern. And Sunday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Fantasy Football Today is on CBS Sports HQ. Just download the HQ app, CBS Sports HQ app, on any connected device. And you can actually watch FFT on demand if you can't see it live. Uh, hey, in case you missed it, Melvin Gordon fumbled the game away. 
The Chargers lost by three. Gordon was going in for the game-winning touchdown in the final seconds. He fumbled. One play after not getting in from like inside the two-yard line, he was inches short. Then he fumbled, lost the game. He caught a touchdown pass. Austin Eckler had a big game receiving. Uh, Heath, what do you think of the stupid Chargers backfield? Uh, I feel like it's going to be a start-sit conundrum every week, which I kind of enjoy. You know, we need some difficult decisions. But as a, as a Gordon or Eckler owner, I hate it. What do you think going forward? I'm just going to start Austin Eckler and probably avoid Melvin Gordon. He's not been very good. He did score a touchdown pass in this game, but he was remarkably inefficient carrying the football. And he kind of fumbled the game away, but they kind of just ran the game away because even if he hadn't fumbled that ball, he was tackled short of the goal line. The clock like they didn't have any timeouts left. The clock likely runs out before they run another play. Oh, no. They had they had time. They had time. There was seven seconds. Like, are they going to run a quarterback sneak, which Philip Rivers never does? It was terrible play calling to run the ball twice in a row in that, that situation. And they got what they deserved. They should not be giving Melvin Gordon the football as often as they are. Austin Eckler was on a roll. This offense was on a roll. When they gave him the ball in this game, good things happened. Um, I'll start Eckler. I'm going to try to avoid Gordon. Just so you know, Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler ran five times for seven yards. So, like, they are not running the ball. Can we have his touch total, the number of times he touched the ball, the number of yards he had? Yes, we can. It's 12 touches for 125 yards and a touchdown. Okay, he wasn't rolling. I mean, he was doing it all in the passing game. Like they, it's they, 10 yards per touch. They can't run the ball. They can't. doesn't matter who it is. I, and Austin Eckler, what did he do last week? He completely let us down because you can't rely on a guy, a running back, leading the team in receiving. It, it's so Except risky. he's given you five catches or more in all of his games except for last week's game. I only care about the games that he played with Melvin Gordon. I only care about three games. Well, here's another one where he did, and he had seven for 118, and the Chargers are two and five, and they're going to be desperate for answers on offense. They have to be aware of how bad their offensive line is. It will not be improved just because Russell Okun comes back. It'll help, but it's not going to totally change anything. They cannot run between the gaps. They can't, or between the tackles, through the gaps, whatever, okay? Uh, I, I'm very concerned about Melvin Gordon as being a touchdown-dependent running back, and honest to God, you know what the Chargers should do? They should trade Melvin Gordon for an offensive lineman. They should find a team anywhere that needs a running back and just say, all right, give us an offensive lineman who's healthy and has some potential, and we'll take that for Melvin Gordon. That's what they should do. You know what they're going to do instead? They're going to run Melvin Gordon right into that line <laughs> because they think that he's the big part of that offense. I think Austin Eckler, I agree with Heath. In PPR leagues, you got to start him ahead of Melvin Gordon. I agree, too. <laughs> I just well, what was that all about? No, then? I agree. I, I I just think that we've learned that pass catching running backs are probably the most unreliable, one of the most unreliable things in fantasy. So I just would hate to keep guessing on Austin Eckler and guess wrong and have him give you nothing because he's not getting enough carries. And when he is getting carries, he's not doing anything with it. And he's not the goal line back. So how many weeks this year has he been above 15 PPR? I, I I'm only tell care you right about now. the last three games, though. That's I don't great, care what he did before Melvin Gordon. Why should I care before Melvin Gordon? He's not getting any because carries if since they, Gordon came back. Because Fine, but even if that's the case, if they're not going to run as much, you're not seeing Melvin Gordon get any more than, what, 12, 14 carries a game maximum? And I think that he's just got in a position but, now where they have Eckler to getting? beat him through the passing Eckler's game. Eckler's getting three to five carries a game. He's getting five-plus catches per game, and he's doing great things with it. Do you think the coaches are going to say, great job, Austin. It's Way game, to go. Here's a just, gold star it just on your on your playbook. It's just so hard now, to predict. watch out. Here comes Melvin Gordon. It's so hard to predict with with. with I don't know. It's pretty catching. easy to predict five or more catches for, for Austin Eckler, and that means that he should have a good, safe fantasy floor. I'll continue to take my chances with him in PPR. Okay, it's I, in I non-PPR formats where I'm going to get the heebie-jeebies on Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I don't think I think I think I agree with you guys. I just I'm also thinking maybe that you sell high, you know, because I just don't. I think he's going to be a little unreliable. Sure, that's all. Uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. All right. Okay. Well, I wouldn't sell him for Joe Mixon. That's for sure. Uh, we got no. some big, big news <laughs> to get to, and an early look at the waiver wire. Let's get to it right now, Heath. Matt Ryan limped off in the third quarter, and Matt Schaub uh, came in, and you know it's okay. They got Seattle coming up. Adam Thielen left with a hamstring injury. He might be able to play next week. Carry on Johnson knee injury. Devontae Freeman was ejected for throwing a punch, and Ido Smith left with a stinger. Um, David Johnson, we know about. Will Fuller left with a hamstring injury. Delaney Walker, ankle injury. 
Heath, when you look at the big injury news, what do we need to know? Well, we hope that Adam Thielen's going to be okay. It's a short week for him. They said he was optimistic he'd be able to play on Thursday. If I mean, this is a perfect situation for Stephon Diggs. Thielen got hurt, and then Darius Slay got hurt, and then Diggs had a big day. Um, if Thielen's out again on Thursday, it's probably going to be another huge day for Stephon Diggs. If he's not, it's going to be another messy situation. Uh, and then Will Fuller getting hurt might it be just what DeAndre Hopkins needed to get going. So we'll have to watch his hamstring as well. Are you thinking about picking up Kenny Stills? Um, thinking about in a deeper league, possibly, but he won't be towards the top of the waiver wire. I don't imagine. Okay. Four catches. Can you make the case for him to be, yeah. Can you make the case for him to be the number one wide receiver ad? I'm sure you could because, you know, Corey Davis could be that guy, but it's still Corey Davis and it's still Ryan Tannehill. The Dolphins guys will be out there. I don't think we're ready to trust Alex Erickson or Zach Pascal. And then guys like DD and MVS and Marvin Jones, they're owned in over 70% of leagues. We might be able to come up with other receivers just during this podcast that we look at and we go, okay, yeah, this isn't bad. But Will Fuller has not been the picture of health. It's about this time every year that he misses some games with an injury. And here's a perfectly healthy Kenny Stills, who's great at catching the deep ball, filling in for him right away in Houston. And it's a progressive passing offense. So I think I can make the case that Kenny Stills might not be your number one waiver claim, but if you need a wide receiver, maybe for the bye weeks or just to give your team a jolt, maybe you're going to lose some receivers because of injuries this week. Kenny Stills could be that guy. Okay. I see Robbie Anderson is all the way up to 88% owned. Jamison Crowder is, survey says, 73% owned. So I'm going to say Philip Dorsett is still at the top of my list. And that, of course, is is uh, contingent on Monday night, but you know, he'll be, he'll be hopefully, cause I think he's, I think he should be. He's 49% on. I think he could be a popular guy to add on the waiver wire. The Pittsburgh DST sure. is 62% on. They face the dolphins as we take an early look at the waiver wire. Um, it, uh, what about Ty Johnson, Dave? For That's Karrion the Johnson. one. I'm so glad you brought that up because we don't know if carry on Johnson's knee injury is going to be significant or not. We'll find out about that on Monday. But in the event that it is, and last year when he hurt his knee, it seemed like it was going to be just a couple of weeks, and they ended up missing the rest of the year. Ty Johnson is the one that stepped in for carry on Johnson on Sunday, played a ton of snaps. I would imagine that he will be that main running back for the Detroit Lions, home against the Giants in week number eight, at Oakland in week nine. And then at Chicago in week 10, I don't know if we're going to feel so great about that matchup. Carry on could be back by then. But that might be, again, Chase Edmonds, too highly owned. Latavius Murray, too highly owned. Jamal Williams, too highly owned. What are you going to pick up? Mark Walton or uh, mm-hmm. Brian Hill? I don't think so. I think Ty Johnson's probably going to be the number one waiver claim this week overall because of that running back position and because of the opportunity that he'll get in Detroit. And he's a good pass catcher out of the backfield, too. Yeah, J.D. McKissick, though, also got some work. So Ty Johnson had 10 carries for 29 yards and four catches for 28 yards against the Vikings. And J.D. McKissick had five catches and two, five carries and two catches. And I just I looked at the game log in the second half. Ty Johnson had only three of his 10 carries in the second half. That did include a first and goal carry from the six. And he had two targets on the final drive. But McKissick had five touches in the second half. Uh, actually, think no. He had two. He had two carries and he had three targets. One of those targets didn't officially count because there was a penalty. But I wonder, you know, if Johnson just wasn't very effective in the first half and they kind of got away from him in the second half. So McKissick. I think they were chasing points. I think they were chasing points in the second half. And McKissick is a good pass catcher out of the backfield. Johnson is too. McKissick played only twenty four percent of the snaps. So okay. I, I, maybe they just got away from Ty in terms of giving him touches. But I think that was a byproduct of just playing from behind. I got a pretty cool email that I want to read. It is from Joel. And Joel says, this is another opportunity for Heath to, to uh, troll me. I bought tickets to ALCS Game 3 hours before last night's game. He sent this to me a few days ago. Uh, my tickets were $40 cheaper than the people sitting right next to me who had also bought theirs earlier that day. And that's before the promo code FFT. So the, the subject was SeatGeek. Uh, oh, I think he meant Game 5. He said SeatGeek and Paxton for the win. He also said, go Yankees, go SeatGeek. Only one of those two things is still relevant. Yes, yeah, SeatGeek 
is still awesome and still playing and still available to give you the tickets that you want to go to the games that you want. Thank you for the email, Joel, and the testimonial. You know, you hear it from me all the time, but that's from a listener. That's a real email. He saved the money, used the promo code FFT on SeatGeek, and he got 10 bucks off his first purchase. And again, you just find cheaper tickets. It's just so much easier. It's so much better. More than 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store. How's that for customer satisfaction? And every purchase is fully guaranteed. So please, next time you need to go to a game, concert, comedy, theater, whatever it is, you got to be using the SeatGeek app. Download the SeatGeek app and the promo code is FFT for 10 bucks off your first purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app and use the promo code FFT. All right, winners and losers from week seven. And Heath, I'll let you go first. Your winners are D.D. Westbrook, 71% owned, 26% started. He had 100 yards on nine targets at the Bengals. And Aaron Jones, big game for him. 16 touches, 88 total yards, and an amazing touchdown catch for Aaron Jones. And he was actually 95% started. So Westbrook and Jones, Heath, go ahead. Yeah, Westbrook continued his annoying habit of dropping touchdowns. Uh, Could have had a monster day if not for that, but made a couple of outstanding catches in this game. Great plays on the football. And coming into the game, he actually had more targets than DJ Shark did. Once again, in this game, he had more targets than anyone, and it kind of looks like he's sneaking up on Shark as maybe the number one fantasy wide receiver in this Jacksonville offense. At the very least, they look like a 1A and a 1A, 1B type situation. Despite the drop touchdown, he was very good with the targets he did receive, and I don't anticipate he's going to lose any of that share. Had nine targets in this game. I think we can expect seven or eight plus moving forward. And then I was. Pretty impressed, not with Jones' touchdown catch. It was very nice. But the fact that it wasn't near as even of a split this week with Jones and Jamal Williams. Williams was lucky to get a receiving touchdown. He really didn't get much work at all. Jones dominated touches in this backfield and still looks like a borderline number one running back. Yeah, I agree with both of those. Uh, and, and I wanted to use Aaron Jones as a winner and couldn't Heath beat me to it. And uh, I'm I'm happy to say that that's a great call. And the thing that I think about D.D. Westbrook is what were one of the reasons why we liked him coming into the year? You remember the, 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 the concept of him being the main target because Nick Foles likes the slot guy. And if Nick Foles is going to be back soon, and I believe he's going to start practicing before week eight, then that'll just help D.D. Westbrook out more. So Minshew's discovering that he's got D.D. Westbrook. He doesn't just have to force feed it to Chark. Uh, this might have been Chark's worst game of the year. Uh, not statistically, but just in terms of opportunity. And I think D.D. Westbrook is going to refine or has refound. I don't know. If, yeah. Uh, yeah. Those PPR points, what we're looking for in PPR lineups. He's absolutely uh, worth considering as a starter. Okay. And Dave, your winners are Kirk Cousins. And you were like, you were like, ah, you know, I got a feeling about Kirk Cousins. And he had 37 fantasy points. That's three big games in a row for Cousins. I think it's 10 touchdowns to uh, one interception in his last three games. And he's got Washington coming up. Do you believe in Kirk Cousins? I think you have to. I, I really do. And the, the matchup against Washington is on Thursday night. It's in his building against his old team major, major revenge game. Don't know if he's going to be 37 points good, but if you're streaming quarterbacks, if you just lost Patrick Mahomes, uh, listen, Kirk Cousins is owned in a bunch of leagues. Maybe, this is going to sound weird, maybe you trade for him. You give up somebody on your bench, no one great in exchange for Kirk Cousins, and you can use Cousins this week against Washington. I think he's going to be a top 12 quarterback. And at Kansas City, the week after that, I think he can be at least a top 12 quarterback in that game. He's at Dallas three weeks from now. Maybe by then you won't necessarily need Kirk Cousins. Maybe you'll trust Kirk Cousins by then. And even without Adam Thielen, you saw what he did in this game. He made plays with B.C. Johnson, with Kyle Rudolph, with Irv Smith Jr. I, I think we learned this week that the Vikings are going to let him throw a little bit week in and week out. They want to be run-focused. They want to lean on Dalvin Cook, but we'll see some good play from Kirk Cousins too. Yeah, I mean, he threw 34 passes in this game, which was his second highest in terms of attempts for the year. But I don't expect they're going to give up 28 points to Washington on Thursday night. I would not trust Kirk Cousins moving forward. He's been awesome. I've been wrong the last couple of weeks. I'm still not going to trust him in a game against Washington, a team that did not score in their most recent game against San Francisco. I just don't trust that the pass attempts are going to be there. 
Dave, your other winner is Gerald Everett. He's 68% owned. Everett was started in 35% of leagues. Everybody had a bad game for the Rams two games ago against the Niners. This week, a mm-hmm. lot of them bounced back. Four catches, 50 yards, and a touchdown on 10 targets for Everett. So, yeah, I mean, do you Team high him? 10 targets. Mm-hmm. Team high 10 targets for Gerald Everett as well. And is it a byproduct of taking on Atlanta? Maybe. Guess who he plays next? Cincinnati. And that game's in London. It should be fine. I think Gerald Everett can continue to to be used in this offense and be trusted in fantasy purposes, for fantasy purposes. All right, let's go over to the losers now. So the winners, again, for Heath were D.D. Westbrook and Aaron Jones. For Dave, they were Kirk Cousins and Gerald Everett, who uh, appears to be taking away from Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup and uh, Robert Woods, unfortunately. Losers for Heath, Joe Mixon, who actually had his jersey kind of off at the end of the game. I didn't know if there was an injury or what, but uh, it was almost Giovanni Bernard getting in with the garbage time touchdown. Mixon was awful. He carried 10 times for two yards, and he had a two-yard touchdown catch. David Montgomery was almost as bad as Joe. Actually, he was worse because he didn't score, and he fumbled. Fantasy point-wise, he was worse. So Mixon and Montgomery, like, can you? do you have faith in either of these guys going forward? Not at all. I like I did not have either of them in my top 25 running backs this week. I didn't have Mixon in my top 30. Joe Mixon actually had more fantasy points than he did total yards in this <laughs> game. And I don't have a lot of confidence it's going to get better. They have the same game script every week. They fall down by two or three scores and they go score some touchdowns in the fourth quarter maybe. And in the fourth quarter, we're seeing Giovanni Bernard playing those snaps. I, it's possible Mixon was hurt this week, but this is the exact same thing that we saw last week. They got to garbage time. It was Giovanni Bernard time. And really, at this point, all offensive possessions are garbage time for the Cincinnati Bengals. I do not trust Joe Mixon at all. I'm I'm not going to say the D word yet, but we're getting close to the D word with Joe Mixon. Why, well, like, why don't we just start with the B word? Because that seems pretty obvious, right? The, don't call the bench that, word. We, we did that this week. We did that last week. Um, I think we keep doing it. We may be moving towards dropping Joe Mixon, and David Montgomery lost touches and snaps in this game to Tariq Cohen, and Tariq Cohen looked better. Um, it's frustrating, and I expected more from Montgomery, but they their offense, again, it's another situation where the offense is just terrible right now. Mitchell Trubisky did not look very good. Allen Robinson looks like the only bear that you can trust, and this is not the type of offense where you could give a guy 15 to 20 touches, and he'll be like Latavius Murray. He'll just eventually be good. I I am uh, very concerned about Montgomery. I think you can drop Montgomery in 10-team leagues. Hate to say it, but the Bears did the right thing. They got Tariq Cohen more involved. 55% of the snaps, it's the most he's had since week one. No surprise, they were trailing, and, and they weren't trailing in week one as bad as they were trailing in week number seven, but when they are trailing, it makes more sense for Tariq Cohen to be on the field as that easy outlet for Mitchell Trubisky, and they just got into that pass-crazy mode again like they did in week one, even though they were only down a little bit in week one. This week they were down a lot. I think you're going to continue to see a lot of Tariq Cohen, I think, in PPR leagues. Pretty safe guy to start as a low-end number two running back. Definitely as a flex and ahead of David Montgomery. So I agree with you on both of those guys as losers. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to ask you guys to, to rank five <laughs> five running backs right now, okay? Five running backs, in, and we'll do PPR. No, we'll do half PPR to make it tough on you guys. Both Bears, both Chargers, and Joe Mixon. Heath, I'll let you go first. Take take five seconds to think about it. I'll talk slowly. Both running backs on the Chicago Bears. <laughs> both running backs on the San Diego Los Angeles Chargers. And Joseph Mixon. Austin Eckler. Melvin Gordon. Tariq Cohen. I have some hope for the Bears offense eventually being good enough to generate fantasy points. So David Montgomery, Joe Mick. Okay, Dave? I think I have the exact same order, except I'll flip the Bears running backs. I'll put Montgomery on the bottom. No, he is on the bottom of the Bears running backs. He's ahead of Mixon for Heath. Okay. So, so Heath wait went a Eckler, Eckler, Gordon, No, I Cohen. thought he went Montgomery and then Cohen. Nope. No. Well, I'm a fool. <laughs> okay. Eckler, Gordon, Mixon, Cohen, Montgomery. 
Dave, your losers are Will Fuller, who's hurt. I think you, you know, probably. That's kind of why. Yeah, yeah I mean, it happens with him every year. And Larry Fitzgerald. What happened? Larry Fitzgerald. One catch. What happened to the, you know what happened is Chase Edmonds happened. Yeah, he ruined. He Chase ruined Edmonds Kyler just, Murray. He, he, yeah, he ruined everybody on Arizona, just like he ruined everybody that started David Johnson. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff Kingsbury. Did you know your name is spelled wrong, Cliff Kingsbury? <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah. yeah, frustrating. I don't think you can feel good about starting Larry Fitzgerald um, blindly each week. He's at New Orleans next week. What do you think is going to happen to him in coverage against the Saints in the Superdome? And then he's got San Francisco after that. And then, oh, look, here's a nice matchup. He's at Tampa Bay. Okay, fine. You can use Larry Fitzgerald then. Then he's at San Francisco in week 11. Then he's on a bye. I don't know how you can feel good about starting Larry Fitzgerald more than once in the next five weeks. I, I will say, though, uh, I don't think he's going to get shadowed by Marshawn Lattimore, and they actually lost two more defensive backs. They have one suspended and two got hurt in the game today for the Saints. So that's just a situation to keep an eye on. But you know, the thing I was looking at at one point today, I'm going to look at it right now. You look at Kyler Murray's game log, and just look at his passer rating. And he was great against the Falcons. Uh, his passer rating was 128.2. But it's really, it just hasn't been that good. And I, I think maybe that's because he hasn't thrown a lot of touchdowns. But I don't know, Heath, like with Larry Fitzgerald, you're not looking at a great passer yet. I, he's good for fantasy in Kyler Murray, but what is it? Why is Larry Fitzgerald, this is five games in a row where the yards have been pretty disappointing. Obviously, this being the worst. But maybe well, it's just maybe we just kind of overrated him after those first two games. Well, his usage has changed completely after those first two games. We got excited about the Arizona offense because it was whatever. Like Ben Gretsch, air yards. We were like they were throwing the ball down the field. Larry Fitzgerald looked like a downfield wide receiver again. Half the routes that he ran in this game, he just runs to the middle of the field where the linebackers were and stop. They're using him like a tight end. It's um, not the same type of usage as all. And I don't know if that's going to continue or if it will change again, but I, it's happened long enough that that's what I'm going to start expecting moving forward. I'm not to the point of saying that you just can't use him moving forward in PPR, even against the Saints. He's, Lattimore is not going to follow him. He may catch six or seven passes for 60 yards, and you hope he scores a touchdown and he's a low-end number two in PPR, but I'm not near as encouraged. There were two guys I was really high on the past two weeks that let me down twice in a row. One of them was Larry Fitzgerald. The other one was Tyler Boyd. I feel much differently about the two of them because Boyd got 14 more targets in that game. I still think Boyd's going to be okay. I'm concerned about Larry. Okay. News and notes. Mahomes could return in three weeks or sooner, according to Adam Schefter. A.J. Green won't be back next week, also according to Schefter. Alvin Kamara could play next week, according to Ian Rappaport. And I think for, yeah, for... A.J. Green, he's not going to play in Week 8, reportedly. They have a bye in Week 9, so you're looking at Week 10 for A.J. Green if he's still on Aren't you glad you drafted him? Oh, I can't. This is awful. Wow. Isn't it great? This is... What a move. Good job. (laughs) Uh, Cam Newton likely out Week 8. May not start when he's healthy, according to our Jason Lockenfora. We shall see. uh, Jason Lockenfora also reporting that the Niners are looking at wide receivers. Makes sense. Damon Harrison. Mohamed Sanu was a name that he linked to them, by the way. Okay. Uh, Damon Harrison left with an injury. Snacks Harrison for Detroit in the second quarter. They got the Giants coming in next week. And cornerback Darius Slay left with a hamstring injury. So it was a rough day for the Lions in many ways. And, yeah, for the Saints, it was Patrick Robinson and Eli Apple both got hurt in this game. Two corners. Houston lost two defensive backs. Their secondary is so beat up. The Texans are in trouble. Tayshawn Gibson and Phillip Gaines left with injuries. Jacksonville defensive tackle Marcel Darius left with an abdominal injury. Tennessee right tackle Jack Conklin left with an injury. And Derrick Henry had a rushing touchdown of more than one yard. His first in his last eight (laughs) rushing touchdowns. He had seven in a row. Jamie mentioned that uh, earlier in the week. Seven in a row from one yard out. Eight. uh, This time it was like like seven yards out or something like that. Or maybe more. Good for you, Derrick Henry. Good game from Derrick Henry. Top five at each position. Heath, you can have the quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, and then... Matthew Stafford, Jacoby Brissett, and Jared Goff. Stafford, Brissett, and Goff are three, four, five. Yeah, I thought Brissett was very good. I mean, there were some fortunate things in this game for him, but it's pretty clear they are just going to throw the ball in the red zone, which isn't great for Marlon Mack, but it's good news for the passing game. And Goff did what we were hoping he would against a fantastic matchup against Atlanta. 
He sure did. Jared Goff had uh, 268 yards and two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown as well. Uh, Dave, the top five running backs, we've talked about several of them. Chase Edmonds, Dalvin Cook, Latavius Murray, Austin Eckler, and Derrick Henry. Hmm. Boring, I guess. I I think you know what to do with Cook and Derrick Henry. I think those are still starters for you. Um, I I think Chase Edmonds, if if David Johnson's injury becomes significant and misses time, he's going to be the guy. I think I'm going to keep saying what I said on the show today, uh, FFT. He's a good flex, even when David Johnson plays. This offense is using their running backs more. More evidence was uh, showed that in week seven. Latavius Murray, really dependent on uh, on Alvin Kamara. Let's hope that Alvin Kamara takes another week so that Latavius Murray uh, can keep it going uh, against Arizona. And then Austin Eckler, we've already had the debate on him. PPR starter. Zach Pascal, by the way, as we look at the wide receivers, he's had seven or more non-PPR fantasy points and 11 or more PPR fantasy points in three of his last four games. And ironically, the one bad game he had in that stretch was with T.Y. Hilton missing the game. That's when they just ran all over the Chiefs. So Heath Pascal is one of the top wide receivers. Marvin Jones is one. Pascal, two. MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling had, I think, a 74-yard touchdown catch, one of only two catches for him. He's top five. DeAndre Hopkins is joined by four players who are tied for fifth. Corey Davis, Stefan Diggs, John Brown, and Allen Robinson who caught a touchdown. His touchdown was not on Lattimore. I know Lattimore saw some Robinson in this game, but a big game from Allen Robinson. 10 catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown. A lot of names there. I do want to know how you feel about Corey Davis and if there's, you know, new life with Ryan Tannehill as Davis had six catches, 80 yards, and a touch. Well, we'll talk about that when we get to Believe It or Not because that was my Believe It or Not for that game. So I'll talk about Allen Robinson and John Brown. Um I am extremely impressed at what Allen Robinson has done so far this season, considering the quarterback play that he's dealt with and what he did against this matchup. I wish he had a better quarterback. We might treat him like a top 12 wide receiver, but he was fantastic in this game and has been, and we should not have any conversations about whether or not you start Allen Robinson moving forward. You just start him. And probably the same thing with John Brown. He had some bad touchdown luck, but he's had at least 69 yards in every game but one so far this year, I believe at least 11.9 PPR fantasy points in all those games as well, and was awesome in this game. I think you just start Allen Robinson and John Brown moving forward. Okay. Uh, Robinson has had seven or more cat, uh, targets in every game, so that's very encouraging. Uh, let's take a quick break here on Fantasy Football today. When we come back, we are going through every game with a Believe It or Not from Heath Cummings, and the first one is the Titans one, so that's pretty cool. That's coming up right after this quick break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The Titans hang on by a hair by Melvin Gordon's fumble. 23-20, they win. I wonder if that had gone to review, if there would have been a 10-second runoff if they kept... Hmm, maybe they would have run out of time, Heath. But what's your believe it or not for this game? Thank you for saying I was right. I accept your apology. (laughs) Believe it or not, Davis is finally good. Corey Davis is finally good? Yeah, I don't believe it. Dave? I'm not I'm not I'm not ready to believe it. I believe that the Chargers are bad. I was impressed by Tannehill's timing and the velocity he was putting on the football. Um I do think if Marcus Mariota had run that quarterback sneak, he would have gotten it. But I I was slightly encouraged and I'm more interested in owning Corey Davis than I was before this game. I actually That's felt the fair. same way about him about putting in Mariota for the quarterback sneak. I think like just don't be stubborn about it. Do that. Uh, go ahead, Dave. Sorry. No, I feel the same way. I think Corey Davis is certainly worth revisiting off the waiver wire if he's there. I don't think a lot of people hung on to him because he got off to such a bad start, and he's got a pretty good matchup next week against Tampa Bay. Then he's at Carolina. Then Kansas City at his place. There are some opportunities for him. I'll, I'll grant that. And if he's going to keep getting targets. And, and they're catchable, 
I mean, <laughs> you kind of have to do that cartoon wiping of the eyes thing, and you just kind of can't believe it. Maybe Ryan Tannehill is, is the guy who unlocks Corey Davis. Sounds stupider than anything we've ever said, but it might just end up being that way because Marcus Mariota just does not throw a good, accurate ball. And Tannehill, when he's not pressured, he can. Believe it or not, Keenan Allen is not a top 15 wide receiver. They tried to get him going. They, they The very first pass Believe of the game. Um, can I have a second look at their schedule? Sure. That doesn't matter. Don't believe you don't it. don't think it's so? Receiver. At um, Chicago, Green Bay, at Oakland, Kansas City. I'm going to say for I think it's going to be a tough next couple of weeks. Adam, if you want to uh, feel better about your terrible trades, I traded Mike Evans and Kyle Allen this morning for Keenan Allen because I had to win this week. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to start Marvin Jones. Mm. Oh, man. Well, so, Keenan Allen mm. and not Marvin Jones. Well, at least you're making other teams better, Heath. That's your job, right? Let's make other fantasy teams better. Baltimore 30, right. Seattle 16. All right. Big game. Great, good game from the, from the Ravens. Very impressive. Uh, Heath, believe it or not. Mark Ingram is really just a flex. Dave, you he's always becoming go first. A, he, he's becoming a lot more touchdown dependent than we thought he'd be. And Lamar Jackson is starting to literally run away with all the rushing yardage on this team. I, I, I still think he's more of a number two running back than a flex. I brought this up. He led, going into this week, he led the NFL in whatever color you want to use, magenta, gold, crimson. Somebody suggested the indigo zone because it kind of sounds like in we go. But inside the five-yard line, he led the NFL in carries there, and he had scored on a on like a, a normally high amount of those. I don't know about that. He scored on a lot of them. So um, it didn't happen this game. He was down there. He was down near the goal line. Didn't get in. But 12 carries, 46 yards for uh, Mark Ingram. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's a. I think he's a number two running back, Heath. I don't think he's a flex. I think he may be a number two running back on a weekly basis until we get through the buys, but I'm not sure I would say that makes him a number two. In PPR leagues, with a little involvement in the passing game as he has, I do think he's kind of a touchdown-dependent high-end foot. Do you he's think... on a buy next week, and then he's got the Patriots at home the week after that. So the next two weeks, I don't know how many people are... Well, obviously, next week, no one's starting him, but the week after against the Patriots, going to be tough to trust him. It's just a matter of being in a really good offense and getting a lot of you know, goal line work, but but would you rather have Austin Eckler or Mark Ingram rest of the season? PPR. Eckler. I think in full PPR, Eckler is probably the better guy to go with. Okay. Which is so weird to say, but yeah. Um, I got to believe it or not for this game. Believe it or not, the Ravens defense is good. Well, their run defense is outstanding. That's for sure. Okay. Uh, I still think their pass defense is beatable. You think they're back? Well, that's the thing about Marcus Peters is he, like he had a pick six in this game, and I think he has like ten more interceptions than anybody else over the last four years in the NFL. But he's also extremely beatable because he takes those chances and misses a lot of the time. So they are good in a weird kind of way. I think they'll be okay for fantasy. I don't know that they'll be someone I shy away with for a quarterback or a wide receiver. But I think you can make a pretty good case you should shy away from them when it comes to running back. They allowed 21st oh, yeah. downs. The Seahawks were 10 of 17 on third down. That's pretty good. 347 net yards, and they both were about equal in time of possession. I think that they made some really great plays on defense, and that kind of overshadows what the truth is about their unit, which is they're all right. Their pass rush is all right. Their secondary is all right. Their run defense is good. But I don't Amazing. know if they're a great defense. Well, their run defense is totally legit. I mean, Chris Carson, 21 carries, 65 yards. That is now four straight games, though, for Carson with 21 or more carries. So even in defeat, even in a bad fantasy game for him, you should be encouraged. New Orleans with the road win at Chicago. A lot of garbage time production here for the Bears. I mean, Trubisky ended up having a big game. Heath, what's the believe it or not here with New Orleans, Chicago? Michael Thomas is the number one wide receiver for the rest of the season. He was awesome in this game against a very good Bears defense. They just could not cover him. They had two guys on him sometimes, and you'd see both of them ended up five yards from wherever Michael Thomas was when he caught the football. You are can't you, guard Mike. Are you answering your own question there? What was that? I was 
giving a statement and supporting evidence. Okay. Who else would even be in consideration for the number one receiver if we were redrafting today? We are. First of all, we are redrafting tonight. We're doing this for the site. We're redrafting. I tonight. know. I know. Um, I think if Will Fuller is out an extended period of time, he's alluded to it. I would take DeAndre Hopkins over Michael Thomas. That is the only one. And if if you told me that Devontae Adams was coming back next week, I would take Devontae Adams over Michael Thomas. That is it. What? In PPR? There's, there's no way. Why? There's no way. Why? Because because Michael Thomas is outstanding, and he's proven it. He just had an amazing game. Think about where we are with him versus Juju Smith-Schuster, because I think those two are connected, because they both lost their quarterback at about the same time, and there were questions about who would be better rest of the season. And we were both uh, we were all figuring that both of them would be okay. Michael Thomas has more or less been outstanding with Teddy Bridgewater. And Drew Brees is going to come back, and he's going to be outstanding with Drew Brees. I think that I think you can make a very easy case for Michael Thomas oh, to be can. the number one receiver. Of course in fantasy. you can. Of course you can. Well, I, yeah. I, well, so I'm going to take him. He's, so he would be my number here, one receiver. Here's the funny thing about it: of all the elite wide receivers, the one at, on draft day, the one that I felt had the least amount of chance to be the number one receiver was Thomas. I sort of felt like he was the safest, but had the lowest ceiling because he hasn't been okay. a big touchdown guy. Because we expected the the Saints to run the ball a lot and Drew Brees not to throw that much because they brought in Jared Cook um, and maybe the second year guys would get a little like maybe the young receivers would get a little bit better and and he just he's not like a hundred and seventy target guy right Drew Brees has never had I don't think a hundred and fifty target receiver in his offense so I thought he'd be really good I just didn't think he'd be number one for him to be number one that means the guys of he- ahead of him would have had to fail a little bit and so far they all have. Mostly you're talking about DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, and uh, Julio Jones. But if Fuller's out, I think it might solve Hopkins' problem. Adams comes back and doesn't have to deal with that brutal schedule that he had at the start of the season. When he finally didn't have to deal with that brutal schedule, he had like 180 yards against the Eagles. So I don't, you know, he is the guy, clearly hands down the best receiver on the Packers. So that's it for me. Like, I think that those guys are still set up to be what I thought they were going to be on draft day, which is top seven picks, basically. Is that is that a the good flaw, argument? No, the flaw in the logic, okay. I think, about Michael Thomas, he doesn't need 170 targets when he catches 80-plus percent of those targets in right. PPR. Like, he has a catch rate that nobody else can compare to. Sure. And I then the touchdown thing, I always, I always thought the touchdown thing was a little bit weird because he's played three years in the NFL— He's had nine touchdowns in two of those three seasons. That doesn't like, no, he's not yet had the 12 or 13 touchdown season, but nine touchdowns in two out of three years. Doesn't tell me this is a guy with a touchdown problem. But what was I, I he mean, last just... year? What was he was like? He was like wide receiver eight last year and he had an amazing year. I didn't think he was eight and non PPR six and PPR. I didn't think he'd be able to repeat this catch rate. The fact that he's able to do that is is mm-hmm. mind blowing. He's amazing. And, and the Heath, targets could go up. I, I well, think no. we know what to do with Michael Thomas. Well, Heath, we did a draft on Wednesday, me, you and Ben, and I took Michael Thomas as my number one wide receiver. So I, I like I have no problem with it. I just I think that Hopkins and Adams, I like them better going into the year. I could see them being as good as I thought they were going to be beginning in week eight. That's all. Thank you for listening. I'm Adam Azer. I endorse this message. Next game, um, Rams 37, Falcons 10, Heath. You have to consider sitting your Falcons if Matt Schaub starts. I mean, it kind of goes without saying that that's going to be the case. There's not a chance. There's barely a chance that all three of Julio, Ridley, and Hooper are going to have big games with with Ryan. And now if Schaub's there, I think you'll be lucky if two of those three do. So I think people will be very nervous about going with Calvin Ridley. Hooper still makes sense as a short area target, and Julio has big potential. Okay, believe it or not, none of the Rams wide receivers are must-starts every week. That's ridiculous. I mean, I think there's there's <laughs> an interesting opportunity to buy low on them, especially Brandon Cooks. People are going to be sick and tired of these mediocre numbers. And he's always been up or down. The problem is he's just been so down this year. And 
the addition of Gerald Everett into this mix has hurt Cup. It's hurt Cooks. Obviously, it's hurt Woods. They've got Cincinnati and London this week. Then they're on bye. And then after that, at Pittsburgh, Chicago, Baltimore. Those matchups are tough. Dave, and then the Dave, rest of the they way, were at Atlanta. First of all, I, I, just because I oh, said, I, I get it, I get it, I believe it or not, it doesn't mean I believe it. So don't say that's ridiculous. Just say I'm just I'm defending what side I'm on. I know, but they were at Atlanta this week. I do think the Gerald Everett thing is really a thorn in their side. And just you can't treat it like they're the same offense that they were last year. They're not as good. It's just that simple. They might not be the same offense they were earlier this year. But Cup Star has been fading. Cooper Cup's been a top. 10 wide receiver since the beginning of last year on a per game basis. I, yeah, he, he's the one I'd start. No question. Do you feel the same way about cooks and woods? They're not must starts. No, I didn't have like, they were not top 20 wide receivers for me this week. And if you're not a top 20 wide receiver, the week you're at Atlanta, then right. I, that's not a start wide receiver. So, so you agree with two thirds of it. Like basically you thought you said that's ridiculous, but only because of Cooper cup. I said that's ridiculous because you were saying Cooper Cup is not a must-start wide receiver. Okay, but that's fine. Minnesota 42 and Detroit 30 is our next game. Minnesota 42, Detroit 30, an unexpected bonanza. Heath, believe it or not. Kirk Cousins is a must-start fantasy quarterback once again. He has 10 touchdown passes and almost 1,000 yards in his last three games. You must start him. Uh, I know you don't believe it, Heath, because you think the matchup against Washington is one where he won't have to throw. I would take a chance on him as a top 12 guy then. I would do it the week after that. And then I would probably reevaluate because they've got two more games before they're by at Dallas and then home versus Denver. Probably the Dallas one is the one that scares me the most about Cousins regressing. He's going to have some stinkers. There's no doubt. This is what he does. He He's not consistently 24-plus fantasy points. But I'm I'm enjoying what I'm seeing out of him, and I think he can have an efficient game on 30 pass attempts on Thursday against Washington. Okay, believe it or not, Matthew Stafford is better on a per game basis than Jared Goff rest of season. Stafford better than Goff on a per game basis rest of season. What's the status of on Johnson? He misses one I think game. It, um. Okay, I'll believe it. Hey. Wow. I'm scared still. Okay. Why? Heath, why? Why are you scared still? I don't I don't know how good Stafford's going to be against more difficult matchups on the road. This game was a bit of an anomaly in terms of his performance against really good defenses, and he has several games left against really good defenses. His remaining games on the road are at Oakland, at Chicago, at Washington, at Minnesota who he just had four touchdowns against, and at Denver in Week 16. Okay. I'm, I'm kind Let's of feeling go. okay about him. Let's go to our next game. Arizona 27, Giants 21. Heath? The Giants need to draft another quarterback. You're so stupid. I mean, like, <laughs> you're the same guy who told me last week that Marcus Mariota was having a good year. So I don't take your, your quarterback takes. I saw this tweet. I've been pissed off about your tweet about this stupid thing for like five hours. So that's now I'm going to let it out. No, you're crazy unless they get the number one pick and they can draft Tua. So, um, no, you're crazy. The last four weeks, he is averaging below 200 yards per game. He has thrown four touchdowns and seven interceptions. He's making a lot of mistakes. Uh, there's He is not a fantasy quarterback. No way. But if you saw that the touchdown pass he made was beautiful, he makes some really good throws. He's he's got a, he's got can play, but he's making too many mistakes, and it's hurting them for sure. Currently worse than Eli. He is. Um, Probably. Yeah. Too many mistakes. Uh, yeah, that too sucks. Too many. But, okay, believe it or not, I, you should drop Larry Fitzgerald to add... Corey Davis. Uh, I'm not ready to believe that. Nope. Okay. Buffalo 31, Miami 21. Ryan Fitzpatrick makes the wide receivers interesting. Until Ryan Fitzpatrick gets traded to the Chiefs. Oh, come on. They're not going to do that. <laughs> well, someone might trade for Ryan Fitzpatrick after this game. He played well. He, he had the Dolphins in it for a while. Believe it or not, Dave. Yes. He does it. It is. They do. Yes, I believe it. They are interesting. 
They like, are. I, I feel so dirty. I feel so dirty saying that. I feel so dirty recommending any Dolphins player in fantasy at this point because they are so bad. This is bad. <laughs> Devontae Parker has had three straight games with a touchdown. That was I know. Good. Yeah. I know. And you know who they play next week? They play Pittsburgh. At Pittsburgh. So that's not good. Minka Fitzpatrick revenge oh, game. Yeah, yeah. Steelers coming off the bye. Very hard to trust the a Dolphins pass are on catcher. Monday Night Football. Oh really? That's not. Oh, good. <laughs> gosh. It is Monday Night. Football. Gonna clean the apartment or something like that. Uh, believe it or not, Josh Allen is better than Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff. Rest of season. I'll say no. No. Okay. Green Bay forty-two. Oakland twenty-four. Believe it or not, Aaron Rodgers is a top three quarterback again. I will not believe top three. I think it's a slam dunk to say top 12. And I think there's a chance he could be top seven. Wait a second. Uh, Name three quarterbacks you'd rather have than Aaron Rodgers. Right now? Yeah. In fantasy? Yes. Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson. Name two more. That was well, I mean, does That's Mahomes this, count? Well, I, yeah, I mean, he counts, but I think I'd rather have Rodgers. I'd rather have Dak. I think I'd, I, I think I'd rather have Dak without knowing how he's doing against the Eagles. Um, we don't know about Matt Ryan and his health. If Matt Ryan were healthy, I think I'd still rather have him. Do you remember one or two, I think two weeks ago on Sunday night, I said that I felt like Aaron Rodgers was about to go off and own the NFL or whatever. I don't remember what I said, but it was basically that. Because they had they were about to get through the brutal part of their schedule. And not only were they getting through the brutal part, like it was about to become soft. And it just started. And he scored six touchdowns. And he's doing it without Devontae Adams. And he, he actually last week he scored twenty two fantasy points, and that was with Aaron Jones dropping a wide open touchdown and Shepard dropping a ball at the one yard line that got intercepted. So I'm pretty encouraged by what we're seeing here. I mean Top seven is a cinch, in my opinion, Dave and Heath. Okay, I, I just that's fair. And the schedule is very good moving forward. I, is it? Yes. yes. It, okay, Adam, you you always bring up the at Arrowhead numbers for quarterbacks. That's where he is next week. Yeah. Then he gets the Chargers. That looks like a great matchup. Then he faces the Panthers, who have been one of the best pass defenses in the NFL this year. Then he goes to face the 49ers, who have maybe been the best outside of the Patriots. Like, if his next four games... I'm only certain that one of them is a great matchup. Well, I, I, look, he's not going to be bad at Kansas City, right? I mean, it's not that team. No, he's fine, but not threatening top three, I wouldn't think. Look, I, I'm, I'm thinking that if Devontae, to me, it's all about Devontae Adams. If he plays, I, I think Rogers going to be awesome. Do you think he's a top five quarterback rest of season, Heath? I think five is really borderline. And you could make like I would bet on him being a top five quarterback until week 15. Sure. Um, the problem is, like, if you are riding Aaron Rodgers to the fantasy playoffs, it may be a bumpy ride once you get there. Yeah. Week 15, uh, Chicago. Yeah. Chicago yeah. And at Minnesota. OK. So. Uh, sorry. No. OK. Fair no, enough. that's no. the schedule. Fair enough. Uh, OK. Finally, uh, in this game, believe it or not. Josh Jacobs is a star. Yeah, believe it. Look like it. He sure did. Okay, a few more games. San Francisco 9, Washington nothing. Yeah. Is there anything? Like, ter- Terry Terry McLaurin was a fantasy mirage. Don't believe it. Nah, it was, it was weather. Yeah, uh, believe, it, believe it or not, you can learn absolutely nothing from this game. No, I don't believe it because Tevin Coleman got 20 carries. That was good. And was Would he, is that normally going to be the case? And didn't Breida get hurt in the game? Maybe he came back. Someone might know. have information on that. He did but get hurt. Yeah. So okay. big surprise for Breida getting hurt. And that could have been a reason for Tevin Coleman getting 20 carries. And I wish he had done more with those 20 carries. And I wish the 49ers had scored a touchdown. Okay. Moving on. Jackson. Oh, yeah. I also think it's just worth noting since they lost their fullback, Kyle Juszczyk, and since they lost two offensive linemen, they have run the ball very, very poorly. Keep it in mind. Jacksonville 27, Cincinnati 17. 
Joe Mixon is droppable in 10 team leagues. I think Joe Mixon would be picked up immediately in 10 team leagues if he were dropped. Doesn't mean that it's a good thing. I, I just think you're gifting a running back that has potential to somebody else in your league. So I I don't want to believe it. I, I just don't know what the potential is with the way this offense and this defense is playing right now and the fact that he's not being used in garbage time. He does, He has one game in his last five with more than three targets. If he's not going to have involvement in the passing game, I don't I don't know that there is this huge amount of potential there. I'm I was plenty high on Joe Mixon coming into the year. I still think he's talented, but they can't block anybody. They can't stop anybody and they're not using him for the most part in the passing game. They did throw a touchdown to him in this game, thank goodness. But I I don't have a lot of confidence and in 10 team leagues there are all kinds of people available on the waiver wire. Do you think that AJ Green will help him? Cuz remember the numbers I gave, he was about 6 fantasy points worse per game in losses than wins. And they actually had a good record with A.J. Green. So do you think A.J. Green will help them? I mean, we, we just had a game where Alex Erickson had 14 targets, 8 catches, and 137 yards. It's about That's the, the type of thing that A.J. Defense, Green though. might be able to do. It's about the game plan. Adam, I don't know if, what can, that is. You can say no. I'm not saying yes. I'm, I'm just asking. You know, I've, I, the, the biggest concern I have is, are the problems that we see with the Bengals fixable? Right. Because their matchups moving forward are not all peaches and cream. And so, I, I, okay. So no. If you bench him, <laughs> when do you use him? When do you use him? I, I, I just want to know if you think like my when AJ tune is Green, changing when AJ Green comes speak, back, yeah. do you think it helps Joe Mixon to the point where you're confident in him? No. Okay, thank you. Uh, believe Maybe. it or not, DJ Shark was a fantasy mirage. I, I wonder, I, you have to watch the film to see if that had to do with game planning. The Bengals try and double team him on obvious passing downs. My, my hunch is yes, based on how the targets went to D.D. Westbrook and Chris Conley. They combined for 17 targets. So it probably means that D.J. Chark was taken away in significant passing situations, red zone, et cetera, et cetera. I, I just think that, like, I still think Chark is going to have big games like that. I think the type of wide receiver he might be, though, is not the number one on this team, but the big play guy. And we see it's kind of like a Deshaun Jackson where Brandon Cooks, it's up and down. It's up and down. You look at Westbrook's targets over the last five games, 9, 6, 11, 8, 9. That sounds more like the, the guy that's going to be the consistent, most targeted player in the offense. And nobody answered the question. <laughs> Believe it or not, DJ Chark is a fan, was a fantasy barrage. No, he's just going to be an up-and-down, boom-bust wide receiver. Okay. Colts 30, Texans 23. Sloppy game from Deshaun Watson and uh, 17 fantasy points. Heath, what do we got from this game? Jacoby Brissett is a must-start quarterback. When the matchup's right, absolutely. That's and there's really only one... Then he's not. Then I don't believe he's a must-start quarterback. When he plays at Pittsburgh in Week 9, I will be nervous to use him. But he has the benefit of an amazing offensive line and a damn genius as a play caller. Mm. And nifty feet by Eric Ebron managed to help him this week, too. Ebron. Great. Like, we have mocked Eric Ebron so many times for dropping the football on this podcast. We, he deserved, We should not have gotten to this point in the podcast before we said it. He made one of the catches of the year. Um, yeah. Spectacular. I resent you criticizing the timing and the placement of something in the podcast since you are the one who consistently rips Eric Ebron for dropping passes, okay? If you had such a problem with it, Heath, you should have let the show with an apology to Eric Ebron. You you should have made him one of your winners, Heath. Yeah. Eric Didn't Ebron you- is a winner. <laughs> about like the best of the best he, his catch was the best of the day it should have been in the best of the best you should you could have put it in there you could have editorialized this is this is our show not my show <laughs> I, I am deciding to end my show thank you for listening everybody for david for heath i'm adam hope you enjoyed the sunday night show we'll talk to you monday